You may be seated, and I'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning to Proverbs 29, verse 18. Vision is so vital. I believe this, that if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. God has placed on the inside of every one of us spiritual eyes, and the Father God wants to speak to our hearts. And you know that words from heaven paint pictures. And so the pictures that our Father is painting for us is a picture of a bright future. It is a picture of a future that causes us to be happy on the inside and press toward those marks that he places in our spirits. One man said this, show me your vision and I will show you your future. Show me your vision. What is your vision? What is God speaking to your life? In Proverbs 29:18 it says this, where there is no vision the people perish. But praise God where there is a vision we don't have to perish. But he that keepeth the law or he that keepeth the word or he that keepeth the things that the spirit of God has been speaking to him on the inside the Bible says happy is he and full of joy. You know the scripture tells us to write the vision The scripture instructs us to wait on the Lord and have him, allow him to paint the vision in our hearts that he's saying unto us. Now, it is so important to realize that any vision that comes from God is always going to have attached to it the lost. It's always going to have uh, rescuing the perishing attached to it. The second thing that a vision will really, really uh, require is it must line up with the Word. And it must line up with what the Holy Spirit is saying. You see, a God-given vision gives both guidance and it gives focus. A vision that is from God, whether it be for the church or your individual life, will always always cause you and I to have clarity and it will bring us into a place of unity where you and I can harness our potential individually or as a church corporately. You see, nothing is going to be impossible to a body of believers that will believe and declare and see what God is saying to them. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you have got a vision for your life? How many of you have got a vision for your finances? How many of you have got a vision for your physical body? You know, perhaps your physical body is not where it should be today. Perhaps there's some corrections that need to take place, some healing that need to take place. You need to see on the inside of you, by the eye of faith, your body getting strong again. You need to see by the eye of faith your body being whole again. You being strong again. You being strengthened with might by the power of God. Amen. And you know, if you have a vision for your finances, even if in the natural realm you're unemployed, I tell you what, your good, good father will see to it that he will not withhold anything from you if you'll just continue to walk with him. But you've got to see it on the inside. You've got to see yourself pulling out of debt. You've got to see yourself getting off of welfare. You've got to see yourself coming up. Amen. That's the will of God for each and every one of us. Say it with me. I am seeing what God is saying in my spirit. 
Now, I've taken the word vision, and I'm going to use an acrostic for it. The V, first of all, stands for value. You need to ask yourself, what do you value in life? Because your vision really reveals what you value as significant and as important. You know, if sports are more valuable to you than church is, guess where your main investment's going to be in? Your investment of affection, your investment of time, your, inve- your, your uh, investment of finances. You see, what you value, you will invest in. Now, there's a whole lot of things we value here at church. We value worship. We value the word. We value community. We value healing. We value prayer. But there's three things that define us. And that is, number one, reaching. You know, our first priority in life is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? The world in which you live, the marketplace, the gym, the grocery store, wherever you are is the world that you're called to go into. You know, the other day I was, I was getting a sandwich over at Lucky. I always go get Brenda a turkey sandwich over there. She likes it. And so I get her a little turkey sandwich, and I was on my way to work, and I got to talking to these two ladies behind the counter. And I, and I said, you know, you really should come to our church. Oh, really? And I said, yeah, you should come to our church. Just invited them to our church, just loved on them for a minute. You never know. They could show up with a whole tribe of people. Amen. Yeah. So wherever you are, be mindful that everywhere you are, there's harvest around you. And the neat thing about it is people are not wanting to shy away from good news. I mean, everyone wants good news. Do you like good news? I mean, when you get money back on your tax return, is that good news? Hallelujah. When your mother-in-law moves out, is that good news? Uh Uh-oh. Just kidding. Everyone likes good news. So one way to approach the harvest is... You know, have you heard the good news? No. What, 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 what's going on? Did I win the lottery? No, you did a whole lot more than win the lottery. Oh, hallelujah. You've won a place in Christ Jesus. If you'll just simply call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. Now, that's not exactly how you do it. But what I'm saying is develop relationships. Every one of us have a marketplace. Every one of us have a world to go to and minister life to. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but he came in this world to save the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. And so we want to continue to reach out here as a church. We want to get to a place where everyone in the church makes an effort to bring one family or one person into committed membership here at Heart of the Bay. Now, you may make the effort and somebody may not respond, but I believe, look, look what would happen in this church. Now, this morning we had, you know, maybe roughly 600 people in attendance. But if 400 or 500 adults would bring one person into committed membership at Heart of the Bay, we'd double in one year. And if we did it the next year, we'd double again. And if we did it the next year, we'd double again. And if we did it the next year, we'd double again. We'd be up to eight to 10,000 before you could blink an eye. See, you're not excited enough about that. I'm excited. I want to reach the city. Hallelujah. I want to bring as many people to Jesus Christ before the trumpet sounds as I possibly can. 
but I can't go live with you. I can't go work with you. I can't go to the places you go to. Stay prayed up. Believe God for God to bring just one person across your path this year that you can disciple, that you can love. I mean, get out in front of their house if they say they're coming to church and just lay on the horn if you have to. Get them to church. I'm seeing lead balloons in this thing. I don't know. Pastor, preach on prosperity. Well, I will. Just relax. But the fields, the fields are white already to harvest. You know, Oswald Sanders said this. He said, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. I don't want to fossilize. We've been here 34 years. I'm more on fire. Brenda is surely on fire. We're more on fire than we've ever, ever been. And we're not going to fizzle out. And neither are you, and neither are you, and neither are you, you, and you. I believe that if Jesus tarries another 40 years, this church will be expanding. This church will be flourishing. This church will be as on fire in the future as it is this morning. Hallelujah. We are about reaching. We're about healing. Like I said this morning, I believe the Lord's given me a plan uh, to, to get this message of healing out in a greater way uh, through the influence of our ministry. And uh, I believe the Lord has shown me the people and some uh, nuts and bolts on how we're going to do it. So stand by for more information on that. But the fact of the matter is, people are hurting. You ever been hurting in your life? We all have. Isn't it good to know that the Spirit of God is upon Jesus Christ to heal the hurting, to heal the brokenhearted, to recover those that are blind? Oh, hallelujah. To set the captives free. What are we about? What are you about as a Christian? I believe that we should all be growing. You know, the minute we stop growing, we go into a place of paralyzation, spiritually speaking. I believe this, that we ought to be going from one degree of glory to the next in our individual life. That we ought to be growing, and every day we ought to become more like Jesus tomorrow than we were today. Now, I know this for sure, that one thing that we have strong in our spirit as a church, and what we must have strong in our spirit as individuals, we must have God's word dwelling in us, I mean richly. Not a little promise, not a little promise from the promise box, but I'm talking about letting his word abide in us and dwell in us so that when life circumstances come to squeeze us, nothing comes out of us but the good word of God. Woo, hallelujah. And so, we're about the word of God. How many of you know when you catch fish, you need to clean them. <laughs> Jesus said in John 15, 3, he said, Now you're clean. You're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You see, the word of God is the pathway to discipleship. He said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. It is the pathway to liberty. He said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? The truth will do what? 
The truth will set you free. The truth will make you free. You see, God's word is the pathway to divine life and to divine health. In Psalm 107 and verse 20, he said he sent his word and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them. Oh, come on, somebody. From all of their destructions. You see, God's word is the key to answered prayer. It's the key to answered prayer. How many of you have prayers that you want answered? I'm going to raise both hands. Well, look at the key to answered prayer. It's found in God's word. John 15, 7. Notice this with me. He said, if you abide in me, read it with me, and my word, you shall ask what you will. So Jesus is simply saying, just live in me and let my word live in you. And then when it comes to time for you to have your prayer answered, glory to God, it'll be done unto you. It's the key to answered prayer. God's word is, in fact, a guide in a dark place. I love it. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. Raise both hands and say, your word, O God. It is a lamp to my feet and it is a light to my path. Declare this, your word strengthens me. The word of your grace equips me, strengthens me, enables me to do the will of God. Glory to God. His word. Now listen, there is such, such a thing known as the law of displacement. So if you've got something in your life that is kind of more than the word of God is in your life, maybe it's worry, maybe it's sickness and disease, maybe it's poverty or lack, you need to make sure that you get rid of that. But the only way to get rid of that is displace it with the word. Just get it in here. Let it out of your mouth. Speak it. Say it. Act on it. Speak it. Say it. Act on it. Speak it. Say it. Act on it. See it. Woo! Glory to God. Say it. Act on it. And sooner or later, that which is over here will be displaced, and you will be overflowing with life, overflowing with strength, and overflowing with divine health. Come on, everybody. Let's give God praise. It is food for your faith. In Romans 10, 17, he said this, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is essential for my spiritual growth. You see, as newborn babies, we are to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Now, how many of you know that God's word is also a sword? In the Greek, it's known as the machaira of the spirit. It's a sharp, two-edged sword. The Romans would use it in battle, and it had sharp sides on both sides and a very sharp point. So that when they would go out and attack, glory to God, this machaira, this sword of the Roman soldier would penetrate into the enemy, and the enemy would not have a chance. This is the sword of the Spirit that Ephesians talks about. It is the Word of God. It literally is the rhema of God, or it is the spoken Word of God. Jesus said when he was tempted of the devil, it is written. He said, man will not live by what? Bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He also said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So he exemplifies for us the spoken word. He's given his word to you and to me so that we may speak it. And Satan and all of his demons are afraid of the word. They're not so much afraid of you, but they're afraid of Christ in you. The hope of glory. They're afraid of a believer getting serious about the word of God, hiding it in his heart and speaking it out of his mouth. Oh, hallelujah. It is a sword. It equips you. It corrects you. It instructs you. But most importantly, and above all, this word reveals Jesus to us. This word reveals him to us. The word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. We need to remember this. That the words that Jesus speaks, they carry weight in the realm of the spirit. The words that Jesus speak, he said, my words are spirit and my words are life. Think about it. And he has given us the privilege of being in his word. And so as we take his word, it becomes spiritual food to us. It becomes life to us. Listen, friends, this word is supernatural. This word is above the natural. James says that when we look into it, it becomes a law of liberty. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, when you gaze into it, like you gaze into a mirror, it will transform you, it will change you, it will renew you, it will restore you, it will build you, and it will strengthen you. And quite frankly, today, everything that I've talked about, all that Christ has provided for you in the Word of God, if you will stay in it and gaze in it and look in it, these things will become a reality in your life. Come on, raise your hands. They will become a reality in your life. We're a generational church here as well. We're multicultural. Look around. We have people from all different walks of life. It is a picture of heaven. Amen. Now, you're going to look better in heaven. But still, we've got, hey, we've got a slice of the city right here in church. And it's not that way everywhere in every church in the Bay Area. I'm not bragging on us. I'm just saying. Amen. But also a multi-generational church where Abraham resources Isaac and Isaac releases Jacob and Jacob reveres Abraham and everyone is doing their part and everyone is growing and everyone has a part and no one demeans another person but we're all growing and we're all glowing together and we're all bringing our supply and we're all moving in the spirit together. Oh, hallelujah! Old and young alike are coming in from the north the south, the east, and the west, the young, the old, the middle age, boys and girls, men and women from all different denominations, men and women from all cultures, they're coming into this place in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Say it with me, the millennials, they're coming. Hallelujah. And that's just me. What we value. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to preach all day. Just till 3 o'clock. No, just kidding. 
The next one is I, investment. You see, what you value, you will invest in. Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, recently I heard a testimony of a good friend of mine. He lives in Southern California, pastors a great church called Cottonwood Christian Center, Bayless Conley. God spared his life. He's just a man of God, just a great man of God. He said he and his wife, Janet, were out to have some coffee, some latte, maybe a little, uh, you know, breakfast. And they saw this nice little uh, place that looked like an Italian boutique. And they thought they'd go in there and have a latte and whatever. But when they went in there, they found that it was a pet store where they sold gourmet pet desserts. It was a beautiful store. And they... How many of you have ever been to Cheesecake Factory? I mean, they display their goods. Oh, shalabaha. Thank you, Lord. They display their goods good, don't they? But they had the same type of display with desserts for their pets that were as expensive as Cheesecake Factory. They value their pets. I double dog dare you. Hey, that's a good one. Double dog dare you. Go online and Google inheritance given to pets. You will find a German shepherd that was given over $300 million, a cat that was given over $13 million, and a dog that was given over $12 million by the owner as an inheritance. And I know, I know, some of you really love your pets. But you don't love your pets that much. What about is my dog in heaven? I don't know, but I hope mine is. There are days where I felt like he was on his way to hell, but you know. (laughs) Crazy. Think about all the money that's spent in Las Vegas today. People value that, therefore they invest in that. I love all the sports teams in the Bay Area, but none of them, including Steph Curry, are not the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, I like to shoot a three-pointer just like you might like to shoot a... And by the way, Andre, I got you, bro. I'm going to take you to the cleaners. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Someone's challenged me on a three-point contest. I'll be getting the basketball out tomorrow. But... All these sports teams, I mean, yay, good, great, Super Bowl, World Series. I like it, don't you? I mean, when the Giants won the pennant and won the World Series years ago, John and I were going down the stairs, and everyone, remember Uribe? They used to go, ooh, Uribe, ooh. I was one of those guys going, ooh, Uribe. But ooh, Uribe didn't die for me. And so I'm not going to place my investments over the top in things like that. I'm going to invest in souls. I'm going to invest in what's more important to my good, good father. How about you? So we support ministries. Brenda went over some of them. I mean, it's really, really awesome. S stands for speech. Everyone say speech. Speech. Now, this is really important because vision gives you a common language, whether it be a husband or wife, whether it be your own business. Make sure those around you are not speaking against what you're doing. Make sure those around you aren't complaining about the journey you're on. Well, I know I'm preaching really good right now. 
But your speech is extremely important. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Notice this with me and read it, please. Notice it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead, read. That you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Unity has a lot to do with your speech. Unified speech reveals that we are in sync with one another and it releases power. Brenda is putting together a little confession sheet. We're going to call it saying the same thing that we're going to hand out to you along with this PowerPoint. And we're going to ask you to speak the same thing. Speak the same thing. How many of you know the story about Genesis chapter 11? We don't have time to take a deep look at it today, but let me just set the framework up for you. The Bible says that the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And they were all saying the same thing. And what they wanted to do is build a tower that would reach to the heavens and make themselves a name unless they would be scattered over the whole earth. And, of course, the Lord came down to see what was going on. And the scripture says, look, the people are one. They've got one language. And this they begin to do. And he said this, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Nothing restrained. Now listen, this is God's own testimony. He had to come down and literally confound their language so the thing that they set their heart to would not come to pass. And all I'm saying this morning is this. In your individual life, your business, your marriage, on the job, never underestimate the power of unified language. Never underestimate the power of faith-filled words. In Proverbs 18 and 21, I want you to notice that. Proverbs 18 21 says this, that death, death and life, where are they? They are in the power of the tongue. Think about that group of heathens that could have pulled that off. And think about a group of Christ followers. Am I looking at a group of Christ followers? What could be accomplished in 2016 if we would align our speech with God's word and the vision of this house? Hallelujah. Now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to preach this just for a minute. You got a few more moments today? I've got to preach this to you. The words that we speak, they're seeds. In Mark chapter 4, he said the word of God is like seeds. And when the seeds go into the heart of man, they produce a harvest. Here are the type of seeds that you do not want to sow. Oh, it's Monday. I am so depressed. I hate Mondays. I hate going to work. I really dislike the people on the job. That's a seed. And if that's watered and that's cultivated, it'll produce death. 
Or how about this one? Oh, man, I feel clammy. I feel lousy. Oh, man, it's flu season. It's flu season, isn't it? Yeah, it's flu season. Well, you know what? Every time the flu season comes around, I get the flu. Not only me, but you too. <laughs> Another seed into the ground. And it will produce a harvest if you don't get the weeds out. Sometimes you've got to get the seeds out and the weeds out before you can get the pure seed of God's Word in. But here's the right seeds to say. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I never lack. I always have enough. Not only that, but I always have more than enough. That's sowing the right kind of seed. How many of you want to harvest the blessing? How many of you want to go through life with armloads of blessing? Not armloads of cursing. So make sure then that you're saying the right words about your life, about your church, about one another. It is extremely important you see the truth is this whatever God said you can say the same thing he said in his word I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that we can boldly say hey the Lord's my helper I'm not afraid what can man do to me what can getting laid off on the job do to me what can this disease do to me hey the Lord's my healer He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord that healeth me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. I'm not afraid of the future. I'm facing my future with faith because the Lord is on my side. The Lord is for me, and he's living on the inside of me. You see, as a church family, if we'll all say the same thing, what kind of an impact can we have on the Bay Area? See, when I shared that vision of everyone bringing one person to committed membership, some of you just dove on me. You need to rise up and believe God for divine connections. Believe God. Then the next I is inspiration. It's true. When you and I invest in what we value, and when we talk about it enthusiastically, with our speech, it will literally inspire people. You see, what happens is this. God harnesses our potential through inspiration and vision. And it makes a difference. And the truth of the matter is this. Is you and I are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. I'm inspired to live for Jesus. I want to live for him because he died for me. See, God has called you and God has called us to be co-laborers with him in the grandest, the most important enterprise the universe has ever known. He came to set the captives free. The creator humbled himself for you and for me. And quite frankly, sacrifice like that just inspires me. It inspires me. When I see one person come into the altar to receive Jesus Christ in these, at this altar, it inspires me. 
When I hear the testimonies of people being healed by the power of God, it literally inspires me. You see, action that he took ought to inspire you. Let me ask you a question today. Is he worthy of your sacrifice? Once you and I catch the vision of what he has done and the incalculable value that he places on a soul, it will and it should inspire you to action. And I'm not going to show the clip today, but many of you remember the movie Schindler's List. And it's based on a true story. Oscar Schindler saved over a thousand mostly Polish Jewish immigrants from the Holocaust by employing them in their factories. And at the end of the movie, there's a very poignant and quite frankly, a very provocative scene where he is surrounded by all these Jews and the lives that he saved. And he suddenly realizes Oh my goodness, the opportunity to help more is gone. And he almost goes into uh, uh, just a, a, a grieving process of weeping on how that he could have and he should have done more. And the Jews around him that he saved just hugged him and embraced him and loved him and thanked him for what he had done. Listen, my brothers and sisters. This end of the movie is extremely moving when you think of it in terms of what he's called us to do. You see, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. I'm prophesying to you today that we at Heart of the Bay, we are going to work while it is yet day. We're going to rise up. We're going to stir up. And we're going to see more in the future than we've ever seen before. And the last two letters are the letters O-N. And this is going to be brief for the sake of time because it's about 1027 and we want to pray and believe God along with you. But these last two letters, O-N and vision, we're combining them and it's twofold. It means to us, we must be on target. We must be focused. Little focus little accomplishment there are million and one things that can be done but the end of the day it's important to do what you hear him say to do whatever he says to you do it stay focused and then lastly make sure that you stay on fire how many of you have a fireplace that you've put a log in there There's one thing about logs is they burn. And they begin to do what? They begin to smolder and what do what? Burn down. Therefore, you got to put another log on the fire. You got to put some kindling under there. I can remember being at Johnny Edwards' home farm down in Pawnee, Oklahoma, Brenda's daddy. He'd get it to be about 115 in that little house down there. Because he'd be up in the middle of the night just stoking the fire fan in the flame and I'm telling you it was nice and warm so warm that you didn't need covers anymore well I believe this that God wants us as a church not only to be warm certainly not lukewarm but he wants all of us to be come on everyone say on fire look at your neighbor and say on fire let's all say it together one more time on fire It brings passion into our lives. 
And vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. So maintain the glow. Keep yourself stirred up. Keep yourself prayed up. Keep yourself near the fire where you can be inflamed afresh and anew. In 2 Timothy 1.6, I'm just here to remind you of this. I remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, and keep burning this gracious gift of God that He's placed on the inside of you. Where there is no vision, the people perish. They run wild. They're without restraint. But with a vision, we can run with Him and fulfill everything that He's called us to do. Did you get anything out of this today? Let's all stand to our feet then and give God praise for what we have heard. Amen.